Hey guys, on today's episode, we talked to Julie Dixon with Dixon Resources Unlimited and Mariana Garcia with the city of San Leandro. We go through the redevelopment and revitalization of San Leandro and the key role that parking played, as well as Julie's backstory and how she came to be where she is today and the company, type of company she's running and what she can offer her clients. Hope you enjoy. So my name is Lester Mascon and this is Parker X and today we're joined by Julie Dixon with Dixon Resources Unlimited and and Mariana Garcia with the city of San Leandro. City of San Leandro. Yeah. I am super excited <laughs> to actually go to that uh to the talk tomorrow. Oh, that's yeah. us. Yeah, Rags we just finished riches. rehearsing. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. That sounds like a great story. It is. It's a very interesting one. That's cool. I'm <laughs> excited. I'm more to come. Of, absolutely. I'm genuinely excited to go oh, see that. Oh, great. So that's cool. I'll definitely be there for We're stoked. One. We've been yeah. practicing all of our lines and our jokes and stuff. Making <laughs> sure we had, have good timing. So, so Julie, tell me, tell me about uh, how you got into this industry because you're, you've, um, you're the, you're the parking coach. Well, thank you. Yes, indeed. So I actually started my career um, as a parking enforcement officer when I was in school. In Santa UC. Barbara, right? Yep, UC yeah, I read Santa that. Barbara, yeah. yes. And um, I actually was a CSO on campus. Okay. Loved the job. It was the highest paying student job on campus. So that's why I went for that job, working for the police department. Wow. And then uh, my lieutenant came to me and said, hey, they're hiring a parking enforcement officer at the foot patrol office. Foot Patrol was in Isla Vista, which at the time I was in school, um, not only were we the number one party school in America, but Isla Vista was the most densely populated one square mile west of the Mississippi. Wow. Yep. And they were so busy focused on like couches burning and kids falling <laughs> off of roofs and cliffs, they couldn't deal with parking. And so when my lieutenant came to me and said he recommended me for a job, I said, I love being a CSO. He said it pays $15 an hour. I said, who do I talk to? And I showed up at the sheriff's department. They handed me a ticket book and a bike and said, good luck. <laughs> and what's amazing is, is that literally today, you know, 28 years later, the fact that I learned how to deal with congestion mitigation, I learned to deal with conflict resolution, you name it. I mean, I really had to face everything that we face today. I'm just in a different scale and different magnitude. And who knew at that age, that here I would be 28 years later, you know, running a business, still dealing with the same issues in municipalities across the country. That's amazing. What were you going to school for? So I was actually going to be a math teacher. Oh, wow. And that was definitely my intent my whole life. I wanted to be a school teacher. And then I drank Well, you're, you're still a teacher. You know, you're absolutely right. And I think that that's one of the things I enjoy most about my job is the education aspect of it, the outreach aspect of it. I love running meetings. I love engaging. I love when you see the like light turn on when somebody gets it. And um, that's, you know, actually nobody's ever really made that comparison. And it's actually a really good one because I do feel like that's a big aspect of the role that we play. And one of our corporate ethos is educate and inform. And so you're right. Nobody's ever made that comparison. And uh, once I started working for the Foot Patrol, I said I drank the Kool-Aid. I loved it. <laughs> and cool. yeah, I just, and I went on from there. Um, I went on and I actually um, went into automated enforcement systems. I don't tell a lot of people this because when you start talking about red light cameras, they hate those more than they hate parking tickets. Especially in California. <laughs> you get it. And so I did that for several years and um, I actually fell back into parking 
in a way that um, the company that recruited me hired me to bring their automated enforcement systems to the U.S. They had a big presence in the U.K. They weren't quite ready when they so hired me. So you were on me. the equipment side for a while. Absolutely. I did not know that. Yeah, operations, installation. Okay. I was also an, a subject matter expert, SME. I testified in court. I went through something called a Kelly Fry hearing, which was a five-day trial on a red light camera ticket in Beverly Hills, and not a lot of people can claim that one. <laughs> wow. um, but when I got hired um, to bring automated enforcement back, they weren't ready, and they said, but you remember, you do something with parking, right? I was like, well, I wrote parking tickets like 15 years ago. And uh, <laughs> they said, oh, well, we need you in San Francisco. And literally on my first day, I was living in Southern California. I flew into town, and I'll never forget this day because I will never do this to anybody. I'm driving to the office. This is right when cell phones had come out. And my new boss calls me, and he says, hey, you know, welcome to San Francisco. Why don't you just drive around town, get a sense of the neighborhood, see what it's like. And I was like, wow. And he's like, come in about 11. I'm like, how amazing is that? And I'm cruising around <laughs> San Francisco thinking, oh, I'm going to probably be living here. Like, how this is going to be? I roll into the office. They had just fired the entire management and administrative staff. And this was the office that ran the parking meter operation for the city. Wow. So they just wanted you to like go away for a little while so they could while like they, sort while things out. they cleaned out. everybody wow. out. Yep. And then, <laughs> and I have to tell you on that day, all I knew about a parking meter was dropping a quarter in it and turning a dial. And I didn't know where the money went. I thought it went through some magic pipe and then, you know, somewhere it got into the bank. Who knew? <laughs> You know, I, I used to think that the traffic loops were mm -hmm. weight sensitive. Oh, sure. And I remember like jumping up and down on them, trying to think <laughs> to that was actually going to make the light. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And I have to tell you, when I came into San Francisco, talk about an eye opener because there was just what, such... what year was that? So that would have been in 2007, and it was going to be February 2007, February 2nd, 2007, to be exact, oh. because that was the day that it really changed my life because. I literally knew nothing about parking and not only was I running the San Francisco project where there were political claims of improper contributions, uh, there were claims of theft and all sorts of malfeasance with operations and the vendor had managed to tick off the customer to the point that the customer was issuing an RFP for the services. And I was also running. It's never good when the uh, right when the customer wants to use somebody else yeah. for service than they bought it from and get you out right. Yeah, yeah. So I also at the time at the same time was not only going to be living out of a suitcase in a hotel room in San Francisco to clean up this mess, I was also assigned the city of Los Angeles parking meter collections contract, and also at the time the city of West Hollywood's parking enforcement contract. And what was really crazy about the parking meter side of it is. I literally was responsible for almost 70,000 parking metered spaces. And at the time when we started, it was probably about roughly $60 million in revenue. By the time I left, we were well over $100 million in revenue and even higher numbers of inventory. But to run those parking meter programs... Was, was that all through revenue collection or was there enforcement revenue No, we did well? for those two projects. LA and San Francisco was revenue collections. And in, in the case of San Francisco, it was revenue collections counting and reconciliation processes. So what, what was the big... What did, what did you do? Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, I lived in my office. I of literally course. slept in my office. And um, the first thing I had to do was establish a relationship with the customer and I was really lucky because the superintendent there, um, his name is George Reynolds. He's been in the industry for a really long time. And I just went to him hat in hand and said, 
what's going on, what's broken, what do I need to know? Give me a chance to fix it on new. Absolutely. And you know, the one thing I also is that I didn't try to make excuses. And I think that that's one of the challenges that all of us run into is we get so busy trying to make excuses. And that's a big other ethos of our company. We focus on the solution. And that's the thing I think I've learned really early in my career. You know, you need to figure out what caused the problem. Don't get me wrong, because it's going to be really important to make sure it doesn't happen again. But it's the whole excuses part of it. You know, sometimes you just got to say, like, look, I made a mistake. Fixing it, move forward. You certainly get by the issue that much quicker than trying to point blame and try to figure out everything. It's like, you know what? Look, just we're going to, they're trying to get over there. We're going to go there now. Yep. Is the quickest way to get there. No, and that's, I mean, that honestly, it's kind of how I live my life because, you know, you just don't have a lot of time to dwell on the negative. And I do try to live a positive life in that regard. I know it sounds a little touchy feely, but, (laughs) you know, if you dwell on the negative, I mean, what kind of person are you? And I mean, I want to be happy. I want to enjoy my life. I want to enjoy my job. I want to enjoy the people I work with. And I find that if you dwell on the negative, you become a negative person and you put a negative vibe out there. So, you know, and, and especially in our career, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we are constantly out there trying to promote positive experiences and parking, customer service and the like. And, you know, we're dealing with people that are spitting at our parking enforcement officers, trying to steal money, having to always look over our back. So I think the environment that we create should be a positive one. Right. And so it's just something, yeah, try to focus on. I think being easy to work with is the yeah. best thing you can do as in a company providing effortless experiences. No, in fact, you're going to laugh when I tell you this, but the number one hi- hiring criteria in our company is that you have to have a sense of humor. <laughs> because if you can't laugh at yourself, then don't bother coming to work with me because I laugh at everything. Because if you can't laugh things off. That's cool. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, again, it goes back to that whole, I want to enjoy where I work and who I work with. And we deal with some tough situations, like there's no doubt about it. And sometimes some really high stress situations. And if we can't have a good time doing that, then, you know, life's too short to, you know, be serious all the time. And I actually had a coworker at one time who really got upset with, he thought I had a lackadaisical attitude. Anybody who knows me knows I'm not lackadaisical about anything. And, um, but I do have a good time and I do have a sense of humor. And I think that there's a big difference between those two things. And he just didn't think I took life serious enough. And I just think that again, life is too short to be serious all the time. So I couldn't agree more. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that's, that's that. Good. No, I, I mean, think people enjoy that about it too. You know, the fact that I try to be entertaining in my approach, I try to be fun but I'm also delivering a really serious message a lot of the times. But a lot of times people don't even recognize the magnitude of what we're talking about until the revelation kind of, like I said, you see the light switch, right? And we have to deal with folks of all shapes and sizes, you know, of all heights and, you know, variances. And the fact that we can help communicate a message and make it translate into whatever language they speak. Again, I think it really speaks to just how effective we've been. And that's one of the things that I have to say I take so much pride in, the effectiveness of what we do and how we do it. And um, when I can reach back to a project and like kind of check in on a customer or if I run into them at a conference and they're just so excited or raving about, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing it and like what a difference we've made. 
never in my career would I have thought I could tell you like what an impact we're having because like we're making a difference in the projects that we work on. And I got to tell you, like it feels so good and so rewarding and it's why we keep doing it. And it's why I have such a hard time saying no to people because when somebody comes to me in need, it's probably my biggest weakness is that I can't say no. And it's why I probably work seven days a week because of that. So what made you step out on your own? Well, actually, so I didn't. And what, what, yeah. year, what year did that happen? So that was in 2012, October. And what ended up happening was um, as a result of the San Francisco project, first of all, I was living in San Francisco. I'm from Southern California. It was a major lifestyle change, I have to tell you. <laughs> And um, that whole thought I think Northern thing. California still is better, though, by the way. Well, we could have a debate about that. <laughs> but I will also tell you, people said that my choice of where I lived, I lived in the outer sunset in San Francisco. My token line is where the sun never shines mm-hmm. and where the fog, the fog line is real. Um, but when that ended up happening in our San Francisco project, not only were we doing the meter collections and reconciliation process, we were also doing the procurement services for the city and county and for the MTA for meter-related, parking-related services. So when... So, S- so how did the street line thing kind of overlap oh, during that the sensor stuff? Were you, were you there oh, during that? Oh, I lived that life. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh. The, uh, I'm, the one that defa- <laughs> I'm the one that defaulted them out of San Francisco because, wow. yeah, what happened was SF Park came along and the MTA basically won the UPA grant, the Urban Partnership Agreement, and what they were basically told was unless you can write your SEMP, your System en- Engineering Management Plan, within like 10 days you're going to lose the grant monies. So because we were the procurement agent already for SFMTA, they just tagged the company that I was working for, and we basically jumped in and we became the program managers behind SF Park. And so the basics of that was if you had a solution, a technology, a widget, a service that could help parking or congestion mitigation for on and off street parking, you had to go through me. We ran dozens and dozens of solicitations we wrote contracts, we ran procurements, pilots, you name it. And it all went through my business or the company I worked for and all of our operation. So that in the end, what ended up happening was um, when Essa Park was all said and done, what started as a $20 million became a $56 million project, right? And when all the project was over and all the case studies were written, agencies started, municipalities started coming to the company. I worked for Serco and said, we want to do what San Francisco did. But our company was so large. It was a $7 billion global company. They like they didn't really care about these little onesie twosie projects. And the city of Newport Beach was like, gosh, Julie, if you just had your own business, I'd hire you tomorrow. And I was like, well, <laughs> I've heard that my whole career. You put your money where your mouth yeah, is. Yeah, now's or... as good a time as any. And here's what I thought. I thought, listen, I got enough money in the bank I could probably last for about a good six months to make this work. And worst case, if I got to go flip burgers at McDonald's, I'll go flip burgers at McDonald's. I'm not above that. And what's crazy is on day one, when I put the word out, and I didn't even put the word out. I like told a couple people that were calling, hey, I started my own business. And I got to tell you, like my phone didn't stop ringing. And when I did this, I thought I was living in Playa del Rey in Southern California. (laughs) I loved where I lived. I was like a block from the beach. And I did this thinking, I'm going to be able to go to the beach more often. I'm going to have all this time (laughs) for myself. And I did this with the intention of helping municipalities and agencies. And I never thought I'd have employees. And I got to tell you, it took off like a rocket because... 
we fit this this gap when it comes to procurement support, operation support, technology implementation, and it just has been this nuance and it's been great because the word of mouth spread and just we grew um, really quickly but also strategically because I also had to really lay expectations because I didn't want to shortchange a customer. I wanted to make sure that we delivered and that we did what we said we were going to do and that we solved the problem and tried to help them address it. And um, now here we are. Um, it's what, six years now? I don't even know what year it is. Yeah, six six years and some months. And um, we now, well, my staff just reminded me, we just hired, I think, our 12th employee. Wow. Yeah, we've got projects um, all four corners of the country, including Hawaii, which is awesome. So how did you how did you take you and your energy and dedication to your customers and what you want to bring? That's so how, how did you, how, how are you making sure that your company as a whole is that? Because so many people are going to want Julie Dixon. Yes. But you can't have Julie Dixon. That's a challenge. You, gotta okay. be, you have to have your... You have to have Dixon Resources Unlimited because if you That's right. if you give them Julie Dixon, then you won't be able to grow, right? It has you're to be right. able to do the whole thing. No, you're right. And I have to tell you, that's also, that's honestly the, the challenge I face every day. And I got to tell you, when you put your name in the company's uh, uh, business, it definitely has an effect too because sure. when they, oh, you're Dixon? Oh, well, that's the one. That's the person I want, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, that it's also been very strategic about the hires and the decisions that we've made. And one of the best decisions that I made was when um, we brought on our ops manager who does all of our admin. And, um, oh my gosh, she's just a rock star. And um, she's going to go and have a baby like tomorrow, which is going to be frustrating. But I guess, you know, I'd things say the, the, When the back of the house works really well, right. it makes the people out front, makes their jobs so easy to do. You get it because originally I was doing everything. You know, I was the janitor. I was the HR manager. I was everything, right? But that's because it was what it takes to run a business. And sure. I, w- I will tell you this. Anyone um, that has come to me that's starting a small business, I have been open door conversation because I learned so much because I was doing this on my own. And I, don't get me wrong, I also will never take for granted the people that gave me advice and coached me because it's a complicated process. And I have to tell you, it's not easy. And there's a lot of scams out there that you can get like taken advantage of. So I'm always open to helping people. On so that. who was the uh, most helpful person to helping you get started? And, and not necessarily sure. an individual, but there was there any content you consumed that you know helped the, you get out there? The best thing I have to say, I was very fortunate because my accountant, I've been with her since I was 24 years old when I like bought my first house. Wow. And so she's really like kind of monitored my growth and has really kind of been, she calls herself my mama bird. <laughs> um, and, uh, but she's been probably the best because she's one of those independent people who truly does want what's best for Julie. And the coaching and advice and direction that she gave me, especially like she's referred me to my lawyers or to my insurance carriers, things like that, where like strategically which resources I need to bring on as well. And I think that she was probably the best, th- their firm was probably the best resource because they've also had to grow with our company as well. But when we hired um, Ananda to take care of, like you said, the back of the house, we grew exponentially at that point because... It gave took, you back more time. You got it. And it took me out of that burden of having to manage the admin 
don't get me wrong, I still have to stick my hand in it every once in a while, but it took me out of that component. And um, because of the trust and just the awareness that I know that Ananda knows what she's doing, it's allowed me to really just spread my wings. And that's actually, like I said, the growth exponentially where we could focus on the operation side of it and the personnel that we need. And I have to tell you, I mean, I'm a big believer in what you put out there comes back tenfold and the strategic hires that we've been able to make and just kind of the natural evolution of our projects has been awesome. And a lot of our um, staff have been referrals of folks that have said, hey, you really need to talk to this person or you need to think about this person. You know, when there's a company or a person that people enjoy a lot working with or working for, then they start and they start they started wanting to bring on the best people they know yeah be part it's of a it compliment. as well so that's a huge com- yeah it is time. it's a huge compliment what kind of what kind of leader are you oh gosh well it depends on the day um <laughs> no i actually i like to say that i'm very open um i'm very trusting and i think that i've also been um like kind of i've been probably penalized by that sometimes because i kind of give all my cards on the first hand and then you have to get them taken away from you, I guess is the simplest way to describe it. But I have been told by many that I am oftentimes too trusting, which Listen, is unfortunate. Do, doing the right thing is always the right thing. And being nice right. is ROI positive. You And you get it. And that's the part where I think that, and that's the part where when you surround yourself with good people, yep. it allows you to also be a good person. And that's the part where I probably learned some hard lessons early <clears> on where um because i was so giving um it was hard for me to recognize that there were people that took advantage and i think that that's the message that but this is why we go to therapy right is so that our therapists can recommend and recognize the fact that you should not change who you are just because there's yeah, some people not. out there right but it's still one of those things that makes you sometimes have to self-evaluate and look at your own circumstances and make sure that you're managing a situation or handling yourself in a good way but i try to um really i try not to be a micromanager because i want to allow people to be successful on their own and grow but i also it's probably the hardest thing for me to do is to allow people to fail because I think sometimes you have to fail in order to learn and grow. And it's hard for me to allow people to fail when you can kind of (laughs) see what's coming. But I also kind of have that I can't let them fail too much, but enough that they have to know the lesson or the experience from it too. I think from my perspective, I've always always let them go as far as I absolutely possibly could. And even to the point where I would call my clients and go, listen, they need to go through this and you figure this it. out. I'm watching the situation. I'm aware. I yeah. know it's not going yep. exactly the way it needs to, but we just need to give him a few more weeks yep. to try to get to a good place on his own. Because if you do, he's going to be more valuable to you and In me. In the end. Uh, absolutely. And that's, so you just hit something that I think when I, I'm sitting here thinking about the leader that I am. And the one thing that I will tell you, what you just shared with me is honesty is that I have a level of transparency and honesty that sometimes can be perceived as too blunt or too direct. But as I was sharing earlier... I think it's the most disarming thing you can do with your clients and people you work with is just be completely honest with you. Like yep. Almost like... It's sometimes too yeah. much, right? Well, but it's still, yeah, it's but like, it's you know important. what? This is what you get. No, and I think that that's the one thing that... 
um, just in years past, people that have challenged me, I'm like, well, you said this. And I'm like, I absolutely did not say that because I would <laughs> never say that because I don't go that way. I don't say things like that. And I know that because this is what I have. This is the ethics I have. This is the integrity that I have. And I can always stand by that. And I also think I learned that because I, I spent so much time as a subject matter expert, actually in the expert witness box when I did the red light camera stuff that I really learned from some of the best lawyers, honestly, like in California, across the country as well. And it really taught me about, first of all, being direct, answer the question that's asked, and to also be honest, because if you get yourself caught up in a story and you can't keep track of it, you're just digging your own grave. And that's what I just learned really early on. So So what's it like been like working with Julie? Oh, it's been amazing. I mean, just the <laughs> the level of knowledge that she has and she brings to the table. I mean, I can't even put it into words. It's it's just facilitated everything for me. I'm actually really new to the parking industry. Uh, my background is in business development. And, and what's your role? What's your role at the city? <laughs> I guess I'm like a interim parking manager, <laughs> uh, and it's it's pretty funny story. I mean, it literally they had just done a parking management plan. And they needed somebody to implement it. And they're like, hey, Mariana, you're new to the city. <laughs> How about you take this over? <laughs> and of course, being innocent and being like, yeah, I'm a go-getter. Why not? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Little did I know what I was embarking on. I mean, this plan was in a deficit for the last six years. So bringing on the right consultant was just crucial to, to getting uh the plan executed and having a program that actually works. So having Dixon Resources Unlimited slash Julie, <laughs> I mean, it's it for me it was a blessing, especially because I'm new to the industry. And like she said before, she tells it how it is. She's honest. She gives you your options, and then you get to to go with the with the choice and the recommendation if there is one. But at the end of the day, she shows you every which way you can go. And then obviously a recommendation, but it's been great. It's been fun. So I actually grew up in Vacaville. Oh, okay, yeah. So I had parents grew up in Oakland, and yeah, yeah. Also, my mom went to high school in El Cerrito. Mm-hmm. So that's that's uh, yeah, that's, that's my why house. You like Northern California. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's changing. I mean, everybody knows what's happening in the East Bay, and yeah. so when you take a city like San Leandro, that's so small. It's like, where's San Leandro, right? South of Oakland. It's everything starting to impact, right? So what's happening in Silicon Valley and San Francisco, mm-hmm. it's definitely bleeding over. You know, I think one of the coolest transformations that are, like, a little bit while back was Emeryville. Yes. Oh, yeah. Emeryville Huge. was like this, like barrel yards and just factories and all mm-hmm. of a sudden now it's like this kind of cool place. It's like the shopping yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. retail center now. I mean, their sales taxes off the roof. Hey, they've got Ikea, so <laughs> <laughs> that says it all. So yeah. this actually won't broadcast till after the the pie show. So give us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about tomorrow. Yeah. So really, um, what we just what I just mentioned is really t- taking San Leandro and this program that was in a deficit, and how do you flip it, um, and really bringing in uh, a consultant to help navigate that. I think what's challenging for San Leandro is that parking literally touches five different departments so i'm in business development right and so you go why are you doing parking it doesn't make (laughs) any sense i think the city took a good approach in saying instead of your engineering department taking over and rolling out this new program that you know customers aren't used to why don't we go with the business side of it right so what is customer um, service so you're an employee of the city 
Yes. So I, I'm in the, it's a community development department and okay. then we have different arms and then economic development division is falls under that. But we do all business outreach. So we do business attraction. Basically, if you're looking to expand your business. So business development for you is trying to bring new businesses in the San Leandro. Literally. And then help the ones that are already there if they want to expand or we okay. have different programs that, that help uh, small businesses. And does, does the city own a lot of, a lot of real estate? A lot of the office space? And no, I mean, we had this thing called redevelopment that went away. And so we actually had, were mandated by the state to sell a lot of our properties. Okay. So we actually don't own that much property anymore. And San Leandro is tiny. I mean, we're oh, about yeah, 90,000 people and it's pretty developed already. We have like what we call opportunity zones. Sure. Where, you know, developers will come in and they're looking at maybe two sites that are still left. But even now, I mean, we have about 1,500 units in the pipeline for new housing. I mean, it's it's growing. And I also think that with what Mariana's doing with the parking plan is really about that redevelopment of the businesses that they're going to be bringing in with all that housing. So we're really preparing for the future. And I think that's what's been really exciting. Even just um, one of the most recent innovations that just launched in January, uh, we introduced a monetized shared parking agreement, which has been something that you should tell them about the back end deal because it's something that is so amazing that I think other agencies are just going to really respond to it. Yeah. So it's uh, called Pelton Plaza. It's a little center, but yeah, it's actually recruiting a lot of new restaurants, really cool uses. But the turnover rate kept being a really big issue. So the city had a bunch of employees camping out oh yeah i mean they park there all day and and that's the thing when you're with a small community you have small business and Mm. sometimes they don't understand that in order for your customers to come shop or never understand why the (laughs) shop owner parks right in front of the shop exactly my point and so i'm like (laughs) you know from a business standpoint you're like should you be in business (laughs) if you don't get this essential right uh it, it's key. It's key. So talking with the uh, with the owner of the plaza, we actually already had an agreement that allowed us to enforce the lot. It was like a two hour lot that we used to enforce. So then uh, working with Julie, she's like, well, have you guys thought about, you know, monetizing? Have you thought about putting paid parking in? And I'm thinking here, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> People are going to freak out. You know, they love going there and they're used to getting, you know, parking for free and then go and get their service right it works too and too so the owner was actually really interested because she keep, kept getting complaints there's no parking there's no parking there's no turnover it's the best way to do it exactly but so, the best part is on the financial upside yeah is that i actually got her to include about you know part of the revenue we're gonna actually split 50 50 is that part of that revenue that she gets she has to reinvest into her parking lot so we're talking striping paving because we want a good looking center right at the end of the day and if i have infrastructure in there new meters and i had to pay for them i want you to upkeep your plaza as well right and so i think we're gonna see this blend actually happen again in san leandro because the program is proving so successful that we're generating almost $2,500 a week just off of 58 parking spaces. Mm-hmm. Did and you go to the single space or multi-space? Well, so that's actually yes. where it got really great <laughs> is that with, um, so the design, ideally we would have done pay stations um, just because of the fact that it would have been a more cost-effective solution. But because of the unique design of this parking mm-hmm. lot, it's like a Z. It's with like a, a labyrinth. Literally. Yeah, it is. So we ended up having to go single. But what we ended up doing is we did a competitive RFP and McKay actually bid it with their beacon, which is the dual space single meter. So when you have the single head that can manage two parking spaces and um, 
And with that also integrated with, we did this cost effective solution rather than replacing all of the old POM meters on street. All we did was rebrand with a park mobile sticker and decal. We did this whole rebranding marketing campaign that kind of changed the parking experience. We did that also in um, Pelton Plaza and the mobile payment also shows up on the meter, which is something that we were really stoked on. With That's the awesome. It really is. And the fact that we literally launched just about a m- two months ago two now months ago. and the reception has been amazing so much so that there had been one parking space that the property owner had asked to not be metered. And she came back and said, throw a meter on there because she's so stoked at the performance yeah. and the way that wow. it's being managed. Yeah. So it's stoked. So what's the percentage of revenue coming through mobile payments? Mobile payment for you still, I think, is about, well, you actually have a good chunk. So I think we're probably about 60% still for your mobile overall for the citywide. Because right now, because we have the mix, because we have the POM meters and um, we have where obviously it's coin only. But now with the addition of um, the Pelta Plaza, but what we didn't also talk about was uh, one of the first things that we did is we took, um, they actually had the honor box in the parking garage. I know. <laughs> I saw your face. Old school. And, uh, is it the one you had to fold it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, fold like, that yes. dollar. Did it have the little thing? To yes, sk- with yeah, the little yeah. stick. Okay. And um, awesome. the first time I saw that, I after I picked my job <laughs> off the ground, and it was horrible. It was just horrible. So one of the first things we did is we ran a solicitation, and we ended up, Parkion was selected, and we ended up installing parking on pay stations, not only on the roof deck where we had a flat rate parking um, rate, but we also implemented paid parking on the lower deck, which was fantastic because we, again, changed the parking experience in the garage. How are you doing enforcement on that? So we actually, it's, <laughs> it, it is it is pay by plate okay. because we also expanded and implemented, um, gosh, what, this is like getting into the details, mm-hmm. but in the middle of town, there's a Washington Plaza which you said is a Morea agreement, right? What Correct. you have. Yeah. So which basically is it's um, available for parking for the businesses in that area, but everybody in town uses that parking lot. So we had to start, we kind of started at the end, but starting at the beginning, we had to update all the municipal ordinances that also included a no reparking ordinance. So really, so you work on all that as well oh, with your yeah. clients. Oh yeah, we call it a parking action plan. Sure. And so the first thing we had to do, we talk about. I called it soup to nuts too. Soup when to I was nuts. in Philadelphia. You get it. <laughs> we had to first. I always say we have to lay the bricks down, and we have to get the bricks all even and laid out and ready for the building that we're going to build on top of it. And so one of the things when we came in, knowing that Mariana had a budget of $600,000 and that was like all we had, you know, your typical would be, let's just go put in smart meters. Let's do X, Y, Z. Sure. But we needed to be strategic because let's be honest, while 600000 sounds like a lot of money. Well, that goes really fast. You get it. And parking technology is expensive. So the two, three things that we did immediately, we had to get rid of that honor box. So, uh. <laughs> We ran an RFP. But you kept it, though, right? You put it it's, somewhere. It's down in public works. they did with It's it. in public oh, no. works. Yeah, that should be interesting. Like, yeah, you like a little museum or something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> it might be the last one left in exactly. California. Exactly. <laughs> so one of the first solicitations we ran, and a lot of this happened concurrently, we did the solicitation for the pay station in the garage. We were doing the municipal code updates, which does take several months because you have to go before council, sure. legal, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we ran the mobile payment RFP. And so a lot of those things happen within a couple of months of each other. But along with that, Mariana was working in the background on this branding and marketing campaign, which I have to tell you, 
I see cities hire um, marketing firms to come in and do all this stuff. The fact that Mariana and her city resources did the whole Park SL campaign themselves from scratch. From scratch. So what did you do? So basically we went with like a zone concept and the color coding. I mean, we're such a small community that it's how is our user going to get, you know, from A A to B or whatever. And so really just marketing that way, making it customer. So what did you do to market it? We actually created a parksl.com website. Okay. So, So it was so important for me to kind of detached from the city website because they there's so many issues with it it's considered more like municipal old school see facebook instagram <laughs> so a little bit of social media but not that much okay. um but we had to do a slow start too we had a, to build yeah, momentum so. yeah and get people excited right because people were used to not paying for parking yep. not getting tickets and you're really changing the culture of parking and you have to slowly transition yeah look that. i mean you, you got to retrain your customers you exactly. can't like hit a there's a yeah I think uh, it's a jump. Transition. Well, yeah, you know, I think so. Yeah. I remember one day was we were at work, and all of a sudden they decided that you know we had all these customers that were like over ninety days, like net ninety on their payment terms. Right. Nobody had been mm-hmm. paying, and everybody seemed to be paying like ninety days, ninety days, and they wanted to go in and cut everybody off all at one shot. Right. And it's like, look, we've trained them over yeah. the last like three mm-hmm. to four years that that's okay. That they've learned it's acceptable. So, so we can't unwind that, like you know. Yep. By the weekend. So you've hit on one of the things that we deal with all the time. I call it parking behavior, right? And you can't expect something, and I have to share this with agencies across the country. <laughs> you can't expect a problem or a situation that's evolved over decades. I mean, I always joke about having my parking magic wand, but it's not real. It's <laughs> and uh, and I can't fix the problem that took a decade to build overnight. But And that's why what um, Mariana was sharing is that a lot of the design work that we did was about this incremental rollout to help educate the public because there was a big warning period. There was a big education campaign and noticing she went and knocked on door-to-door businesses. (laughs) Did you really? Door-to-door. Wow. Yes, because it's important. It's important to look the customer in the eye and say, hey, we're thinking about this. This is how it'll impact you, but it's going to be better. And, you know, some of them, you know, you feel for them, you hear them out, but it's better when you're face-to-face than on the phone. Well, sure. If you just do it and they're like, oh, wow, I got the short end of the stick. We've done the most important bit, right? So you actually heard directly from the person that's going to be utilizing your service what they think and what they want. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's the most valuable valuable thing you can do and that's why the online tools were so key so what we did strategically is we looked at any of their existing vendor agreements that we could leverage and so one of the agreements they had was with data ticket for citation processing so one of the first things we did is we implemented handhelds because that was like low-hanging fruit and then the next part of that was to implement the permit management solution because we knew we were going to be bringing on an employee parking permit program. What about what about residential permits? Do you have those? So then? they have some, but then here's the crate case. Okay, so now you, this is where I tell you every time <laughs> to the weeds. every time we turn a corner, you have no idea. So they have a major BART parking lot in their city, right? Yeah, the San Leandro. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Get San Leandro yeah. BART yeah. station. Well, get this: all around the BART parking lot, there were no time limit signs. And so if Uh-oh. you got there well, early awesome. enough, you right, park you get without it. paying in the residential area. Mm-hmm. So got we it. identified that there had been construction like a couple of years ago and nobody put the signs back up. So crazy, right? Wow. So, so when you talk about simple fixes, but the thing is, is that no one paid attention to it. And so 
you know, we look like rock stars, which is great. But uh, the fact is, it was just really being that persistent person. Just going back and sure. looking at what was already in place. Yeah, and, and then sure making it there, sure it yeah. happened. And then well, the, here was the best part of it. Once the new signs got put up, we changed behavior, which was amazing because people knew they were getting <laughs> away with something. And then thus far, the residents, so that when we did the ordinance well, updates. It's got to be better for them, right? Because now is, they don't have people they, camping out in front of their house. Yeah, for and well, in fact, where the parking was, um, especially at BART, it was intended for short-term parking so that it, if you had a doctor's appointment in the city, you could go park, hop on BART, go into town, you and got come commuters. back. Yeah, but the commuters are parking there all day long, yeah, so yeah. you're you know you couldn't use the short-term parking because the commuters were parked there. Now in the residential zones, what's been interesting is when we did the ordinance updates, we had to address um, so that you as a resident, if you and your neighbors wanted to rally together and get a permit program, we basically put the ordinances in place to allow you that mechanism of what you needed to do to go about it. But what's been crazy so far. And we can have this discussion because oh, Mariana yeah. and I have had this debate many a time. <laughs> Thus far, no one has really pursued. There's a couple of small residential parking permit so, programs. So, but is anybody doing a residential permit program well? Any, yeah, anywhere? You know what like I'll really say? really well. I mean, it's hard to say really well because I think that all parking programs have their nuances. And I think there's always going to be the hiccups and giddy ups that go along with it. And the challenge that you also have is, and this is what why... Mariana wanted to go out and solicit the neighborhoods <laughs> and ask them, Bad idea. do you want a residential parking permit program? And I said, absolutely not. They have to come to Trying you. Trying to be proactive, yeah. you know, like with my businesses, not. I said, are you crazy? You have to wait at this point. The rules are there for a reason. And when they figure out that this is something that they want, they will ask for it. The swell will occur. And it's interesting what you say about the residential parking permit programs because it's a challenge everywhere that we go. Well, that technology really hasn't helped yet. You're, you're with exactly that, which there. Which is it's still so labor intensive to actually enforce that stuff. And yep. And then when you talk about the virtual permit, then it's the whole thing about guest permits. How many guest permits do you have? How much do they cost? How do I get them? My grandma's coming to visit for three weeks. I have a nanny. Well, I and mean, it's not like there's defined spaces either, right? So now it. you've. Yeah. Well, we have a real, there's other challenges we have too with the 72 hour ordinance in California that we constantly have to deal with that. So and, I don't know what that is. Oh, so in California, you're actually not allowed to um, basically park on a public highway or street for more, longer than 72 hours. Otherwise, your vehicle is subject to impound. That is a California state vehicle code. Okay. Even it's like in front of your house? Yeah. In front. Oh my gosh. The front of your house on the public street. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Not that I have to debate that all the time with people. But um, so yeah, even in front of your house, technically you have to move your car every 72 hours. But now here's the giddy up on that one is that the rule is not necessarily defined how far you have to move your car. And so that's where you move it forward an inch. Well, and that's what people do. They roll their (laughs) tires, et cetera. But the fact is, is that you have to have noticeable movement of your vehicle. Now, people do stress because they do park in front of their house every day. But it's apparent when that happens. When we talk about the 72 hour rule, you're talking about the cars where the tires are melting into the road. There's cobwebs. There's, you know, stray cats living in the vehicle, that kind of situation. And so enforcing that is something that there's a lot of processes that go behind it. And oftentimes a car has to be marked. It's well longer than 72 hours before you can actually impound it. But um, the 72 hour rule 
is something I deal with, especially in beach communities, because people do believe they own the curb space in front of their house. And then in a beach community where there's not a lot of curb space and how far do I have to move my car? Oh my gosh. Um, in Seal Beach, it turned into a very prolonged debate and conversation amongst the folks. And what was funny is we were just trying to give a measure and um, we had a couple of different measures. And the reason why was because people were arguing, well, how far do I have to move my car? And so in the end, we ended up saying 30 feet. And so that actually the number ended up getting thrown out and it ended up retaining the way that it's written because now it's just officer discretion. And that's the part that we were trying to, we thought, help the community by giving them a measure to say like that way you know like how far because now it's just officer discretion and that's fine like I'll, I'll roll with that but we were just trying to be helpful and sometimes trying to be helpful is not necessarily the best answer so yeah but anyways wow yeah fun so stuff. um so what do you what's next what's uh what big projects are in front of you now Ooh, big pro- well i'm what, i am what, really, are you, what are you most excited about uh well right now i'm really excited because we actually just hired a brand new person that you know very well and we just hired a senior technology implementation manager which is josh powers it's a good and i'm um, very and i have to tell you i have been patiently waiting <laughs> um but when i mentioned about hiring ananda as our business ops manager we've had a couple of other strategic hires too um but hiring josh is something that i'm really thrilled about because it does allow me to again kind of spread my wings and kind of getting to move you know the company forward and to help our growth and our direction because I do get down in the weeds I do still do that and I work with vendors I default vendors I support vendors I implement vendors uh, contracts solicitations you name it and that's going to be something that Josh is yeah he's done a lot of things when I've worked with him he's done a lot of different things for the business Um, and the thing that he he always obviously enjoyed best, and I always thought he was best at, is when he was um, doing a system commissioning and training with the yep. clients, to where he sat down with them, walked through their entire business, everything they were trying to accomplish, and then applied the technology to it so that they could actually legitimately process all the transactions that were occurring at the facility in a you know manageable, trackable way through the system, so that there was almost zero audit burden required. So anything that was showing up on an audit report was like easy. It's like, okay, yep. it's wrong because it showed up on the report. Let's figure out what it is. Well, that's why we hired him. <laughs> and uh, what I'm really excited about is because we are so hands-on with our customers um, and we do a lot of, I'll call it vendor coordination, vendor integration support, sure. things like that. And to have Josh be the go-to person, especially from the vendor perspectives. Well, I he think knows all really, the key vendors in the market as well, right? No, so, you get it. Yeah. And that's why it was one of those just that marriage, just that like it just was so just natural. And here's the part that's really awesome. And it was something you said earlier, and I, and I thought about this because I mentioned that, you know, we get referrals. And so a lot of the folks that have come to work with us and what happened was was that um, we had done a project site visit and uh, Josh had been involved in the site visit and several months later um, Ananda my colleague was talking we were talking about this position and you know who could we hire who was out there that would you know be able to fit this role and it was funny because I started talking about Josh I didn't really know him that well Well, it's interesting because he's not really that well known in Southern California because he had just moved over from the East Coast you're right and so what had happened was he took us on this walkthrough and I have to tell you 
just he made an impression and it was something where like i said the easy way about him right it's just he yeah. and it, what here's the part was he knew his product so well and he had a very challenging customer that was there with us that he was doing the walkthrough for and what had impressed me was how well he had managed that customer during the walkthrough and balancing i mean there was like 12 people like on this like meeting and how well he balanced all the personalities and it was one of those things where i remember walking away first of all it was a great experience and i just registered in my mind just like you know hey that's that's a that's a great dude you know i'm like i really enjoyed that meeting and it was a very technical conversation and the fact that he was able to translate that information so ananda and i were talking and she said hey you mentioned that josh guy and um and he's come to some of our events that we host in southern california and it was funny because you know we just got to talking one day about the potential opportunity and you know we've just had conversations kind of you know informally and just chatted about it and it was one of those just natural progressions of you know just the timing and the opportunity where we were where he is and yeah i'm stoked because just to your point the fact that he has an established name he has a great reputation and what's been really nice is walking the floor at Pi and how many people have proactively come up to me and said what a great match it is. And that just feels like such a compliment because I just know what his reputation is and just what great, you know, resume and great references mm. he has. So when someone says what a great match, then I'm like, wow, that's really that's a compliment to say for me to think like, wow, you must think a lot for uh, for me if you think so much of josh too you know so i just i'm really stoked yeah, on i've it. talked to him personally he's so excited oh well I'm so, i mean he's I'm just he's too. so excited <laughs> he, yeah, he loves you to death too, oh so that's I, nice I, hopefully i won't he, overwhelm him <laughs> so uh my personality has been known to overwhelm many but uh that's okay yeah where we but uh, he is it's josh I had to work for me so trust me it. <laughs> it's I, I do think it's going to be a game changer for us and we do have some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline and um, we have some Anything projects. You, can talk. you know, I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Um, sorry, I no, wanted to good. ask you. So as I was going through, kind of, I read through like every page in your website just sure. so I could make, make sure I was up to date on stuff. And um, there was a there was a part you talked about technology, but it was more about offering a product that could help people, sure. like you know, manage their parking assets. Right. And, and I was I was reading through it. It sounded like I mean everything from on street to off street technology they may have, and then even going as far as dealing with the service side of the business so so yes so as a result not doing it directly but at least managing the vendor to actually deliver those services and correct what ended up happening was as a result of collecting almost seventy thousand parking meters for the two programs you learned a couple things learned a few things about them and (laughs) what i also learned was what did and didn't work especially from an asset management standpoint and more importantly it really stemmed from the number of cash boxes when we did sf park there was a point where i think we were managing over 600 cash boxes from different vendors and that was a really big increase on the pay station side are you trying to do had. this on parks as well as well so it actually it does evolve into parks because okay. when we start to talk about inventory management aspect of it too just the ability of tracking the assets and the controls of where the parts are, how many there are, things like that. You know, a lot of those components are made by others. Yes. And there's a lot of companies that do third-party repair. That's like and fraction how do you keep, and of how a do you, price. Exactly. And how do you keep track of it all? Because as you know, 
that's all assets. That's all revenue. All of that is money. We have to have a good inventory management system that knows where everything is. And it started with that just simple checks and balances of keeping track of inventory. But then it led into route optimization, revenue reconciliation tools. When you're dealing with a lot of coin changers and bill acceptors and stuff. You get it. And you got it. The most expensive place to have that repaired is the manufacturer that sold it to you, right? That's right. And then you also, from your RMAs, because that was the other part of it too, being able to track the RMAs, where they are, how they are, and the state You want to hear something that's crazy too? Like, I mean, I've been on the park side for a long time. Customers don't keep their brokens. (laughs) <laughs> like like when when a, when you sh- a vendor shows up on site to do a repair, like they let the vendor take the broken part. Yeah, no, I totally get it. You don't even understand. I recently had a situation where we had to take <laughs> and all on street we had to take a pave station out. Right. Well, this is a pave station that had been vandalized, and the intent was is we were going to wrap that pave station. And we were going to repurpose it because basically the equipment could be converted into a card only machine. And um, I don't know if someone thought that we were never going to touch that asset again, because when I saw it again, it had been stripped and I was bent because that was a really what piece, happens. You get it. And I know yeah. oh, I was they start not pulling happy. parts off it to repair the other yeah, stuff. Yes. Yeah. On that. Cause I'm like, all I needed to do, it was the, the, this was actually really sad. Somebody had taken a crowbar to the, um, to the, uh, door for the coin box. And basically they did so much damage that the door couldn't be opened again, mm. but that's all good. We're just going to wrap it up and just use it for the card only. Right. And it just, and now I'm in a state of having to rebuild that machine because somebody parted it out. There was never an intention of not using that machine. It was horrible. You know, when I read through that, there was something that I, I thought of as I'm reading through it. I'm like the piece that's not getting managed very well is it's the update and upgrade side of it as well. You're right. So, mm-hmm. You can take over the service, you can manage the asset, you can, you know, pay attention to all that, but sitting with the vendors and actually understanding the release schedule, That's when right. things are going to be out. Yep. We call then, that our roadmap because yeah, well, there your, you go. your roadmap from a vendor side has to match my roadmap as a municipality. Correct. And so when we write solicitations and we select vendors, we ask them to share their roadmaps in their proposals. Because it's important that I, as the customer, am picking a vendor that is going to grow with me and also looking in the direction that you're heading, but also making sure that you're not going to just have a stagnant product well, that isn't going to be supported. That's an idea actually share what the development roadmap is. Absolutely. It's actually been a very successful venture and wow. also why it's led into such long-term relationships with some of these vendors because like the transparency sure. with you as a vendor and if we can strategically partner on that... One of the other things that I think is really important, and you touched on this as well, we um, often in our projects, we have to set up, we call them parking benefits districts or pet parking enterprise funds because what happens a lot of times is these agencies aren't setting aside monies for either deferred maintenance or for future technology implementations or upgrades or purchases. And so we're definitely having to help them basically build the structure of their budget just so that they're actually creating the reserves so that they can make that investment and be prepared for the long term so that makes sense Mm -hmm. we also have to help them protect their money because (laughs) oftentimes they want to you know cities want to come in and grab that money and use it for other things and we're in a program right now where um, the city's about to replace all of the parks infrastructure in like four garages and um, the city, the they basically want to keep coming in from the general budget and they want to grab the parking money. 
and we're like you've been saving that money for this infrastructure you're going to purchase as well as all these other updates you're doing don't let them touch that money i've told this parking manager lay on top of that bank account (laughs) and don't let anybody touch your money because you need that money for what you're planning to spend it on so wow that's that's awesome. So that's do you the have unlimited a, part. Do you have a do you have a lot of people in that program today, or is it just getting started? No, no. There's oh, in the the asset management mm-hmm. system. So I think we probably have about half a dozen customers that okay. work with it too. Wow. Um, both Los Angeles and San Francisco utilize okay. the program. Really? And I, yep, yep. And it's something I'm really proud of because it's evolved. It's also evolved into other things like meter bagging programs, things like this that become very. Um, uh, inefficient in the way that they track or manage those things Turning like into that. Turning a service company. You know what? It's funny. I'm trying my best not to, but I have to tell you when you but see not, a but need. But not the direct labor side, but like but a services support. company. Yeah, exactly. Can, we, when we see a yeah. need, we have. I have a hard time. That's the whole part about not saying no. But when I see a gap where you can see efficiencies, I think that that's been the part that we've leveraged it. But it's also something that I will tell you that we haven't blown it up because it's really not our primary focus. Just make sure you're charging enough money so you can do it right. We're trying. And like, that's, another that, that's that's the difference there, right? Yep. I mean, everyone's, oh, you got to make a bunch of money on it. Yep. You got to charge enough money that you're, you know, one, you're excited about doing it. Right. And two, that you can do it correctly. No, and that's another reason why we haven't necessarily, it's not the focus of our business because it's one of those things where we see the need and if it's a fit, then it's something that we'll bring in on a project. We have some other cool things that are coming down the pipeline that we're actually building some tools that will not only help us do our parking action plans and implementation, but we know will help our customers. You know, I saw some of the data points that you were getting from the equipment um, in your dashboarding and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the manufacturers actually publish um, required maintenance off of so many number of transactions. So you could actually have, you know, um, just some AI tools actually going out. Okay, this... This lane needs to get serviced the next week. It's approaching its max number of transactions right. before it needs service. You're yeah. right. The, but here's the key, too, is you have to have the personnel that are going to be looking at those alerts, too, because that's also part of the challenge. When we go in and audit I contracts. I think that's the biggest challenge that I've ever faced with every customer I've ever worked with. You is get they, it. they want all th- to do all these things. They want all this technology. but To magically work. That's it. Well, and maintain he, itself. So Dale Fowler and I uh, sat a couple of days ago and went through you know, what they were doing. And between him and I, I, I think we've installed like a hundred thousand spaces wow. of guidance, right? Yeah. Just like just yeah. in the area, and nobody's using the camera system the way that it. You get it. It has all these features and benefits. Yep. And then they should have just bought a ultrasonic system. How about when the customer doesn't even know their username or password into the oh, management well, system it, where they rev- they reconcile their revenue? Worse, yeah. You show up. It's like <laughs> it's like off. It's like yeah. How about when I can identify just thousands and thousands of dollars that are missing? Just with a glance. Yeah, because nobody looks. And this is the thing that, and I, this is the thing I have to so, say. So how do we solve that, right? So well, the, it's training, training, training. Well, but the customer yeah. almost is never going to You're right. uh, step up for it. And frankly, uh, a lot of the, you know, I love parking operators, but they've been cut to the bone so Absolutely. hard on the amount of money they have to be able to manage the system. Like it's just not going to be there. I, I like what I see a lot of them doing right. now with their own with their and their dashboards. And dashboards and stuff are getting powerful, but they no, you're right. But people have to look at those, and I think that that's where the level of accountability. And it's interesting because we had a parking forum yesterday, and accountability was a big theme. 
And sure. um, it's something that I know that we carry that message a lot, but the unfortunate side of it is there have to sometimes be headlines that are of a negative sort that finally bring attention to the need. And it's honestly sometimes the only driver of when you can remind people or tell them the horror story of, you know, thefts that have happened or the exposures that have happened. And it's really unfortunate, but it's the type of situation where sometimes you have to tell the horror story in order to get them to respond. And the worst though is, is that sometimes we go in on projects where, you know, I, we heard some fellows share this yesterday. We were in the forum where um, we had a fellow say he had a lot of seasoned um, enforcement officers that wanted to do it their way and only their way, black and white, write every ticket, et cetera. And he said, that's not the way we want to do business. It's customer service oriented, et cetera. And that whole teaching old dog new tricks is a challenge. I deal with this all the time when I go into meter shops and, you know, technician situations where they're like, that's just how I do it. And um, you're like, well, that's not how it works anymore. So it's the way it was always done. Exactly. And I mean, I here's the best part is if I have to be the bad guy, I will be the bad guy because the fact is, it's like, look, you're either going to make the city just spent $2 million on this infrastructure. Like, this is what you got to do. It doesn't change itself, basically, mm. you know, and that's been even a simple example of putting paper in a machine. I mean paper needs to be replaced if you're going to have receipts right <laughs> that does not just magically happen and then to have an alert system that text messages you and says i need paper i need paper and when we get on day five and you haven't replaced the paper yet we have a problem and so now we've taken it basically in cases like that to just the senior most level of a city to say hello like you got to do the basics and do you remember when the the initial like pay on foots were out they had those the the acceptor was separate from the yep. dispenser and all that. We had a parking manager. We had we had a three we had a three note cassette. There was ones, fives, and tens. Mm -hmm. And the parking manager kept loading the tens into the ones. Oh my gosh, lottery! So you'd go to, you'd go there to you pay like a ten dollar. It was a seven dollar transaction. You pop a ten in and you get like thirty bucks back. That's awesome. <laughs> that thing must have emptied fast. It happened so many times though at this place. And it's like man, you. Look, they're all labeled. That was on the news recently, an ATM machine that was dispensing $100 bills instead of 20s. Oh, and nice. oh, the line of people. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was crazy. But the problem these people didn't realize is well, they put they their card their in, they're on video. But anyways, I do think the bank did write it off, though, which I thought was actually pretty awesome. But That's, why can't I get lucky like that? So. Yeah, no doubt. Huh? <laughs> well, listen, we probably should uh, wrap up, but... Um, uh, Another question for you before sure. we do. Um, so you work with different clients all the time. Yep. What's the What's the thing that What's the most common mistake that you see getting made that you wish that you could just get past initially? Like, what's the number one thing that you want them to do differently sure. than they're doing today? I think um, I'm gonna say it in two ways. It's about transparency and communication is that um, people aren't communicating with each other, either internally or externally, and they're not being forthcoming or transparent, whether for cause or whether just because they just didn't realize. And um, it's interesting, and it's funny because I'll give away the, the secret sauce here, but I tell my coworkers this all the time, is that you just basically have to have common sense. When you look at these challenges and you look at these problems, we all drive, we all park our cars, you know, let's look at it from a commonsensical approach. 
And so sometimes it means you have to talk to your coworker about a problem <laughs> or, you know, I need to make sure that council is alerted to the fact that there's an issue or, you know, talking to my stakeholders about the fact that one business owner is parking out in front of the business, et cetera, or whatever it is. And it comes down to communication and helping people understand the impacts. And I think that that's the one thing that I know that we focus on on all of our projects. It's about that communication and just starting the engagement and making sure people are aware and talking about it. Because here's the deal. We know we're going to bring change. So we better start preparing people now for it. And we do that by being transparent and communication. So That's awesome. That's yeah. good. Thanks. You know, um. I give away all my secrets, by the way. Yeah, I me think, too. It's what, all, you know what? It's all out there. So. We know, we know, you know why? Because you execute, which that's is right. much different than just knowing. That's right. And that's where I get told that a lot where I was told like, oh, don't tell everybody all tell this. Everybody. how it works. That's why I say, what do I got to lose? Yeah. I said, and I, I've sat in presentations where I give them a step-by-step guide of how to do an audit or how to do a reconciliation or how to do a parking roadmap. But the fact is, is that all of our plates are so full that in some cases when they hire us we can just do it in a more efficient quicker way and it just makes it easier for the city it's always easier after you've done it a few times yeah exactly and they also somewhat for some reason enjoy our charming personality (laughs) as well so so what about you mariana i say it right (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. oh good (laughs) did are you are you gonna are you gonna stay in parking are you gonna you're the interim parking manager so uh like what's the you gonna get out now while you can <laughs> that's what i say I, I say it's a very short-lived career that's ending uh, yeah, at, the, at the end of the year back. so <laughs> but she we'll loves see. it <laughs> it's been interesting i mean it's a very interesting industry i'll say that much but what i do have to say at the end of the day is believe it or not parking touches everything how much did you learn from this experience oh a lot a lot definitely that's cool <laughs> and you learned how hilarious i am yeah <laughs> yeah that's what i say we're like family now we are that cool. is what family. it is it's yes. a great friendship and we have fun you know we do have fun that's where the sense of humor comes into play definitely. yeah people do business with people and it really helps when you enjoy working <laughs> with those people we do definitely. we're really lucky and in fact um when especially we come to conferences like this and then all of our customers get together it might be a little overwhelming at times because then they start making plans for me. Oh, nice. And uh, yes, they've now decided where I should be working next so that they can uh, come, come along. Visit. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes. Cool. Well, hey, thank you guys very much oh, for thank coming you for having us. This has this been great. great. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. So, well, real quick, though, Dixon Resources Unlimited, that's the website. That is the website. That's the best way to get a hold of you or, um, or email on the Julie at Dixon resources, Um, the website's always a good place. We have an info link on there as I well. I liked your website. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that, especially given the fact that you could get on it. We had a domain change this weekend that <laughs> I never, you know, it's funny. I never knew, um, how many people went to our website until it went down for one day. And it was kind of overwhelming because we were doing some crazy domain change. And um, I can't even tell you how many people hit me up to the point that I called our business ops manager. What's going on? And I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) But I mean, it was really unbelievable when I found out like literally how many people contacted me to say, do you know your website's down? I'm like, I did not know that, but thank you for letting me know. So yeah, it was crazy. Cool. Well, thanks again. Thank you very much for having us. Yep. Hey, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you made it through this far, I really appreciate it. Uh, we're very excited to be bringing this to the industry. There's 
not really anything else like it. Um, once again, this is Lester Mascon. Name of the podcast is Parker X. Please like it. Please share it. That means the world. Please share it and uh, rate it and tell tell us what you think of the show. We're going to try to keep doing a bunch of these and uh, your comments and feedback is really important. Also, if anyone else would like to be on the show, please drop me a line and uh, we'll be happy to uh, get something put together. Thanks. Thank you.